1: <laughs> mm, what a blessing! What a blessing that we're giving ourselves by joining together. I am so very grateful. So very, very grateful. I'm um, coming to you from Germany, a very small little town, a couple hours from Dusseldorf, where I've been to teachings with my teacher, and it's been wonderful. Tomorrow we go to Poland. Uh, My first trip to Poland. I'm excited for that. We're going to be in Warsaw and then Krakow. So that'll be fun. The birds are singing here and let us pray. So we Take that breath of love and gratitude. We place our hand on our heart and we are grateful, we are thankful to open ourselves to the unlimited, opening ourselves to the unprecedented, opening ourselves to the free flow of love and divine goodness. We're taking these breaths of love and gratitude and opening ourselves to the healing power of love. We're opening ourselves to a relationship with the Holy Spirit that is unprecedented and unlimited. We're consciously choosing to experience healing, wholeness, freedom, joy. We're allowing ourselves to let go of the ego constructs and to step into our divine nature fully and completely. We're willing to see our perfection and the perfection of our brothers and sisters. We are truly grateful and truly thankful to be in this clear connection and communication with spirit. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we allow the healing to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Hmm. And today our topic is, does God hear us? Does God hear us? And one of the things that some Course in Miracles teachers will talk about is the concept or the idea that God doesn't know anything about this world, because it's an illusory world. It's not real, so God doesn't know anything about it. And for many people, that's difficult to comprehend. And if God is all there is, how can God not know about what's going on in the illusion? What is helpful to me is to recognize I'm part of God we are part of God and we are aware of our experience in the illusion therefore God is aware of our experience in the illusion and the infinite mind of God, the Holy Spirit keeps it in perspective. Now in the text in uh, there, there's some, some really helpful things about this communication with God. Is God listening to us? And uh, if we look at chapter 9, the acceptance of the atonement, section 1, the acceptance of reality. Uh, there's some very useful, helpful insights here for us and it begins with fear of the will of God is one of the strangest beliefs the human mind has ever made fear of the will of God is one of the strangest beliefs the human mind has ever made it could not possibly have occurred unless the mind were already profoundly split making it possible for it to be afraid of what it really is. So we are the will of God. The will of God is part of what we are. It's part of our true identity. So when the mind is split, we, th- we think that we're separate from God and God's will is separate from our will. This is one of the most common Issues that I see people have is fearing the will of God. They are afraid to say, Thy will be done, because the part of their awareness that is convinced that they are bad and wrong and deserve to be punished fears God's will will be a punishing experience, but nothing could be further than, from the truth, from what I have experienced in life. The ego's sense of a separate will, that's where the punishment is. The ego is a punisher. God is not a punisher. Hmm, Let's just relax into that. Uh, It says a little bit further down here, The very fact that the will of God, which is what you are, is perceived as fearful, demonstrates that you are afraid of what you are. It is not then the will of God of which you are afraid, but yours. And this is what's underneath being afraid of the will of God. It's so helpful to understand this. So we we have this misperception, this false belief that we're so bad, we deserve to be punished, and if we give God free reign in our life, God is going to punish us, and we're going to have to sacrifice, we're going to have to suffer, we're going to have to experience a plague, or leprosy, or some kind of thing to atone for our sins and this is not true this is definitely not true so it makes us afraid of what we are for we are God's will and this is a very common theme we're afraid of our magnificence, afraid of our greatness and we're afraid of our willingness to abandon all of that in favor of the egos judgments and opinions that's really what we're afraid of that we would yet again sacrifice our heaven on earth or in a separate heaven that we would sacrifice our Ability to go to heaven because we're not there now in our minds that we would make things even worse for ourselves. This is the will that we're afraid of. We're afraid of the egos taking over our life and our awareness. That's what we're truly afraid of. And there's a healing for this. There's a healing for this. It says here Your will is not the ego's, and that is why the ego is against you. What seems to be the fear of God is really the fear of your own reality. It is impossible to learn anything consistently in a state of panic. So if we're consistently looking over our shoulder for God to attack us, for life to punish us, for the rug to be pulled out from under us, then how are we going to recognize that God is always for us and never against us, if we're in a constant state of fear and panic? It says here, If the purpose of this course is to help you remember what you are, and if you believe that what you are is fearful, then it must follow that you will not learn this course. Yet the reason for the course is that you do not know what you are. If you do not know what your reality is, why would you be so sure that it is fearful? Right? This is a really valuable question for us to ask. If we don't know what our true reality is, Why would we be so sure that it's not going to be good, that it's going to be scary, terrifying, upsetting, frightening, worry-making? Hmm? Now this is really helpful here. It says, the association of truth and fear, so associating them with each other, which would be highly artificial at most, is particularly inappropriate to the minds of those who do not know what truth is. It's like a superstition, right, that uh, is propagated and and furthered in the human experience that the truth is not going to set us free. The truth is going to terrify us, goes on to say, all this could mean is that you are arbitrarily associating something beyond your awareness, which is truth, with something you do not want, which is the fear. It is evident, then, that you are judging something of which you are totally unaware. You're judging the truth as being fearful, but you're unaware of the truth. We're unaware of the truth. Says You've set up this strange situation so that it is impossible to escape from it without a guide who does know what your reality is. The purpose of this guide, the Holy Spirit, is merely to remind you of what you want. He is not attempting to force an alien will upon you. He is merely making every possible effort within the limits you impose on Him to reestablish your own will in your awareness. To me, this is so helpful, so, so helpful, that the Holy Spirit is our guide to help us remember our will is the will of God. Now, what I... People ask me this all the time. So how can I do that, Jennifer? How can I remember that my will is the will of God? How do I do it? These are the most common kinds of questions I get all the time. How, how, how do I do it? (laughs) Listening to the birds. Uh, I, I know one really helpful answer. Allow the Holy Spirit to do it for you. That's the most helpful way I know to achieve the transformation that we're looking for, is to allow the Holy Spirit to do it for us. That way we don't have to figure out how. I'm not yet able to see in all directions beyond time and space so that I can say emphatically that I know what everything is for. That's not where I am at this time. However... I have a relationship with that guide, the higher Holy Spirit self, who does know. I don't have to figure out how. I can allow. And that's where my work is to not get in the way, to truly allow. To truly, truly allow. Now in in the section we're going coming up here we're going to talk about this communication and is god really listening to us and for for some context what jesus tells us all the time in the course is that he and the holy spirit and all of life is designed to help us remember who we really are teach only love for that is what you truly are. That is what you are. Teach only love for that is what you are. When we have opinions and judgments to the contrary, when we're convinced of the contrary, we've forgotten who we are. Uh, in the my favorite lesson number 68 it says, it is as sure It is as sure that those who hold grievances will forget who they are as it is certain that those who forgive will remember. Love holds no grievances. So, this is, practicing this, is how we remember who we are. That's the how. Truly, it is Thou. It is as sure that those who hold grievances will forget who they are as it is certain that those who forgive will remember. So this is our opportunity to remember through forgiveness. It's the fastest path. And it's the only thing that really works and dissolves all blocks to love in our heart and in our mind, in all directions of time and space. Now, we've been—I uh, see—I've been led uh, uh, back again and again to this communication with God, communication with the Holy Spirit, recognizing God's will in me, in in our radio show episodes. In uh, this chapter 9, section 1, paragraph 5, Jesus says, I have emphasized many times that the Holy Spirit will never call upon you to sacrifice anything. So, contrary to what stories we might have read in the Old Testament, Jesus is saying, I have emphasized many times that the Holy Spirit will never call upon you to sacrifice anything. But if you ask the sacrifice of reality of yourself, the Holy Spirit must remind you that this is not God's will because it is not yours. So, in other words, if you ask Yourself to sacrifice your true reality, your perfection, your wholeness, the heaven on earth that you could be experiencing. If you ask to sacrifice that, your happiness, your wholeness in your awareness, if you ask to sacrifice that, right, because this is what we do and we entertain the worshiping of false idols false idols could be our career It could be our family it could be our car it could be our lover it could be our body that's the sacrifice of our true reality when we Put these false idols first when we think the things of this world are going to satisfy us and make us happy and make us feel so good about ourselves that we will have a sense of being restored to wholeness. Think of this. If you think, oh, if I could just lose 50 pounds, 100 pounds, 200 pounds, if I could just have the perfect body, if I could just make uh, another 50K per year, or whatever it might be, if I could just heal this cancer, if I could just whatever, then I would be happy. If only my spouse wouldn't leave me. I talk with many people who are thoroughly convinced that so-and-so is their soulmate, and if they could just be in that relationship with them, just have that partnership, they would be happy. And I'm so grateful that... Jesus tells us in the Course, you do not know what will make you happy. You don't even know. Stop thinking that you do. That's the way out of sacrifice, is stop thinking that you do know what will make you happy when you don't. So he's saying here, I've emphasized many times that the Holy Spirit will never call upon you to sacrifice anything. But if you ask the sacrifice of Your true reality, which is not in this world, the true reality of yourself, the Holy Spirit, must remind you that this is not God's will, because it is not yours. This is not your will to stay immersed in the delusion, transfixed by the illusion. He goes on to say, there is no difference between your will and God's. If you did not have a split mind, you would recognize that willing is salvation because it is communication. So when we are willing to be loving, we're in communication with God. We're actually in real communication. When we're not in our right mind, there is no real communication. Why? Because when we're not in our right mind and we're in fear-based thinking, nothing we're thinking is real. It's all made up. It's smoke and mirrors. So there's, when we're in fear, there is no communication with God. Therefore, how could we believe that God is hearing us, when we're not communicating anything that's real. This is the crux of the issue. People feel that God is not listening to them, that they are suffering, And, and sometimes it's very tempting to be in a place, and I have felt this, in a place of spiritual immaturity, where... The thought is, if I get so out of control, if I get so miserable, if I get so lost and so hurt and so wounded and so frightened and so despairing, God will swoop in and save me. But that is not how this world works. Because this is a world where we are experimenting with our thoughts And we can either create by being in that willingness, which is the clear communication with spirit, or we can be in the delusion and the illusion and trying to make things that will satisfy us versus being in the experience of the creative will of God moving through us where we're creating with the creator Experiences of love and joy and perfection and wholeness. And when we're in that place of creating experiences of joy and love and wholeness and and beauty and wisdom and clarity and freedom, we are clearly communicating in the mind of God. There is a sense of oneness and unity. And it is from that that we are creating. Seek first the kingdom which is within and all else will be added unto you. But sometimes we are acting like a child having a spiritual tantrum. Thinking that God is watching us and God is going to rescue us before we hurt ourselves. That's not how this world works. It's so helpful to realize, let us learn to stop punishing ourselves for having forsaken God. When we have forsaken God in our own mind, we will think we deserve to be punished. And we will feel that God is punishing us. God does not listen to us because we are not worth listening to. But what A Course in Miracles is telling us is that when our story is one of pity and failure and not good enough, what we're communicating is nothing. And so when it feels like God is not listening and there's no response, It's actually only because we are not communicating anything that's real. And we can shift that in an instant, in a holy instant. It says here now in paragraph 6, It is impossible to communicate in alien tongues. You and your creator can communicate through creation because that... And only that is your joint will. So, creating through creation is expressions of perfection and beauty and joy and wholeness and freedom and wisdom and harmony. This is these spiritual qualities when we're creating expressions of these spiritual qualities, which we really can only do if we're willing to be attuned. To the creator. Then we can create. It says here. You and your creator. Can communicate through creation. Because that and only that. Is your joint will. A divided mind. Cannot communicate. Because it speaks for different things. To the same mind. This loses the ability to communicate simply because confused communication does not mean anything. So when we're speaking to the creator from a place of confusion, it doesn't mean anything. We can, we can transform that. And that's what I'm going to share with you when we come back from the break. You are listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and I'll be right back.
0: Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles.
1: We're talking about, does God hear us? We're talking about having clear communication with God. uh, Rather than (laughs) the ego shouting from the rooftop and uh, just being nonsense, like a crazy person. The infinite mind of God only mirrors that back. So it says here, in, uh, we're looking at chapter 9, the first section. Very helpful here about communicating with God. A divided mind cannot communicate because it speaks for different things to the same mind. This loses the ability to communicate simply because confused communication does not mean anything. A message cannot be communicated unless it makes sense. How sensible can your messages be when you ask for what you do not want? Yet as long as you are afraid of your will, which is God's will, that is precisely what you're asking for. This, to me, is so helpful. A message cannot be communicated unless it makes sense. That's clear. You can't communicate a message that makes no sense. Now, are your messages sensible when you ask for what you do not want? So when we ask, for instance, for the special relationship, when we ask for help with things uh, that are false idols and to keep the false idol in place in our life, we're actually asking for the blocks to love to be kept in place. And that's not actually the will of God. That's not actually what we want. It's not what we actually desire. In truth, as spiritual beings, we're interested in aligning with the will of God, which is our Will. It is the only will. There is no other will. There's only the illusion of a separate will. I love the word desire because it comes from the Latin uh, of the Father, desire. So for me, I work with the true desires of my heart to feel free, to be truly helpful. To know God. In chapter 2, in the fear and conflict section, uh, Jesus tells us that the conflict we experience in our life, in our relationships, in our heart, in our mind, the seeming consistent display of conflict, inner and outer, comes from saying we want the peace of God we desire the peace of God but that's not what we're choosing when we say we'd like to experience the peace of God the love of God the joy of God the abundance of God but what we're choosing is separation what we're choosing is attack what we're choosing is lack and limitation thinking then are we still desiring the peace of God? No. It's like saying you go into a bakery and you'd say, I'd really like something that's gluten-free. Do you have any gluten-free breads? And, and the baker says, yes, we have four different kinds of gluten-free breads. And you say, okay, I don't want any of those. I want the other gluten-full breads. And the baker says, I thought you wanted gluten-free. No, no, I'm not going to choose those. That's what would be best for me. That's what would be most helpful to me. That's what would help me achieve the level of health and vitality that I desire. But that's not what I'm choosing. I'm choosing the gluten-full breads. And the baker's just going to give you what you ask for. The baker's not going to get into the equation. And that's how the universe is. So if we say we'd like the peace of God, but we choose something else, we're going to experience something else because in this illusion we have free will. And so we're afraid of ourselves. Because we keep asking for what we don't want. We're saying we'd like the peace of God, but that's not what we're asking for. It's what we're saying, but it's not what we're requesting. We're requesting support in keeping the false idols in place. And that's where the sacrifice is. We're sacrificing, experiencing the love, the joy, the freedom, the wisdom, the clarity when we choose to keep the false idols in place on our altar, on the altar of our heart and mind. Then I love this. It goes into paragraph 7 here. You may insist that the Holy Spirit does not answer you, but it might be wiser to consider the kind of questioner you are. You do not ask only for what you want. This is because you're afraid you might receive it, and you would. So here... We're afraid to ask for what we want because we think we're going to have to give up what we think we need or what we think we want or what we think we like. It goes back to you do not know what will make you happy. Stop thinking that you do. I've seen so many people in relationship with someone and it is a completely ego-based relationship. It is a, a relationship that is never going to make anyone happy ever 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 it is a the kind of relationship that only perpetuates a sense of unworthiness suffering elusiveness that really gnarly unpleasant special relationship that's addictive and almost crushing in its. Hmm, I'm listening for the words. Perpetuation of unworthiness, thinking, and feeling, and beliefs. And yet, so many times people will come to me and they're looking for strategies to improve the relationship, strategies to keep the person in their life and to accommodate the dysfunctional relationship rather than give the whole thing to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, make it whole. Really, for reals, for reals, make it whole. And um, people are afraid to do it because they're afraid if the relationship is made holy that it's tra- if it's transformed, the relationship it, what's going to happen is that person's not going to be in their life anymore. And the thought is I can't bear them not being in my rela- my life anymore. I would rather be in this painful dysfunctional relationship than be without them. Very, very common. I can't live if living is without you. It's uh, just so, so common. Why? Because we are in a false identification. And we think this is the best we can do. We think that this is what is meant to be. And it takes a very courageous person, which means a very willing person, who can lay the relationship on the altar and say, "Let God's will be done, highest and best for everyone. God's will be done, highest and best for everyone. It really does take a tremendous amount of willingness to be in that prayer. So... Back to paragraph 7 here. Chapter 9, section 1, paragraph 7. You may insist that the Holy Spirit does not answer you. But, it might be wiser to consider the kind of questioner you are. You do not ask only for what you want. This is because you are afraid you will receive it and you would. That is why you persist in asking the teacher who could not possibly give you what you want. So if you are in this position where you feel like you keep asking God for something and you're not getting it, consider maybe you're not asking for what you really want. Maybe what you're doing is you're asking for what you think you want, you're asking what, for what you think you can get, what you think will make you happy surrender what you think will make you happy so that you can actually have a chance of being happy. And this takes courage. This takes willingness. It says, You persist in asking the teacher who could not possibly give you what you want of him. You can never learn what it is. And this gives you the illusion of safety. So you're asking the ego for what you want because you think that what you want is in this world and the ego will never help you to learn what it is you truly desire and so herein lies the illusion of safety that you cannot be safe from truth but only in truth reality is the only safety Love is our true reality. Heaven is at hand. Your will is your salvation because it is the same as God's. The separation is nothing more than the belief that it is different. The separation is nothing more than the belief that your will is separate from God's or that your will is not your salvation. When we take our will, which is the will of God and we call for the highest and best, then we're in right alignment. Of course, we still have to allow it. It's not just calling for the highest and best. It's not just seeing that that is the goal. We have to allow it. So, goes on here into paragraph 8, saying, No right mind can believe that its will is stronger than God's. If, then, a mind believes that its will is different from God's, it can only decide either that there is no God or that God's will is fearful. Right? That's where we started here, that many, many people are afraid of God's will. And when that's true, it says, this, this belief that God's will is fearful, the former accounts for the atheist... I'm sorry, the, the atheist would be the one who feels that uh, there is no God, of course, and the martyr is the one that's afraid of God's will and who believes that God's demanding sacrifices from us. That's the martyr. We have to trade there are sacrifices in order to earn something which we do not. It says here, either of these insane decisions, either the atheist or the martyr, will induce panic because the atheist believes he is alone and the martyr believes that God is crucifying him. Neither of these things is true. We're not alone. And no one is crucifying us except our ego. If we feel crucified, it's the ego that's doing it, not God. It says here, yet no one really wants either abandonment or retaliation, even though many seek both, may seek both. Can you ask the Holy Spirit for gifts such as these and actually expect to receive them? This goes to the crux of our episode today, which is, do you feel God's not listening to you? If you're asking for things that will actually increase your suffering and pain, and you're not getting them, and you're also simultaneously praying for healing and transformation, it could easily seem as though God's not listening to you. If it's it's like this, if you're saying going to the doctor and saying, uh, can you give me something to help me return to wholeness, and the doctor says, yes I can, and here is um, a regime for your health and wellness, and you take that regime home written on a piece of paper, and instead of Uh, Following it, you are drinking and smoking and overeating and not uh, taking good care of yourself. That's kind of how we live. We're praying for peace of mind, and yet we're not choosing the peace of God with our mind. And the thing is, is that... It's one of these experiences of contrast that's part of our human experience. And when we experience it enough and we develop enough willingness to see beyond our experience, we'll recognize our experience for what it is, choosing to learn in form through the process and the experience rather than choosing to remember the truth that sets us free. So we can learn through process, or we can learn, we can remember, rather. So this often comes back to this. So many people are feeling that God is not listening, God is not listening. And I think for me, one of the most transformative, alchemical healing decisions or choices that I've ever made Came from my willingness to admit I do not know what's best for me. I think that being in this relationship is what's best for me. I think that being a part of this organization is what's best for me or will make me happy. I think that being in this friendship is going to make me happy. I think that this job is going to make me happy, I think that this money is going to make me happy I think that reaching this ideal weight is going to make me happy and recognizing all these beliefs that I have about what might make me happy and giving them all to the spirit and saying, take all of these beliefs, all of these perceptions, the illusions and the delusions, take every bit of it and do with it whatever you like but for god's sake please lead me to that which will actually make me happy show me the clear pathway of what will heal my body, heal my heart, heal my mind heal my relationship, heal my finances put a Klieg light, a huge powerful spotlight on the pathway to my happiness I'm willing to give up everything I think can make me happy in order to be happy. I'm willing to give up all my illusions and delusions. I'm willing to give up the attachments, the cravings, the addictive compulsive tendencies the tendency I have to think I know what's best for me I'm willing to give it all up I'm willing to surrender. That was such a great move for me. That's when I really got to see do I mean it or not? There were so many opportunities to pull it off the altar and say, no, 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 no. Okay, God, I didn't mean that. Didn't mean that. Didn't mean you could do that with my relationship. But I began to see, oh, all these things I thought would make me happy will not make me happy. They do not have the ability to make me happy. They do not have the capacity to make me happy. They can't do it. My happiness is in no way related to me having these things that I think will make me happy, these connections, these relationships, these experiences. I have to let all of it go and really allow God to teach me, to show me, to remind me. And it was in doing that that I really began to let the suffering go. So I see now that it, it does take courage because I see so many people around me starting to do that more and more and more. And I see happiness breaking out all over their lives. It's such a relief to stop pursuing the things that are not valuable. It's such a relief. And then, because our will is becoming aligned with God, with our own holiness, with our own spirit, with our own true desires, then we start to experience the happiness and the freedom and the fear of God dissolves into the nothingness from which it's arisen because we realize, no, the only happiness is alignment with the will of God. There is no other possibility of anything but a fleeting sense of for a moment I think I have what I want, which is not happiness. The momentary relief from wanting, needing, craving is not happiness. Not at all. Yes. Hmm. There's so many ways that we play small. And we play small by sacrificing our happiness, sacrificing living the fulfilling life that we desire, and sacrificing our own spiritual agenda because what I see in myself and in every single one around me, that every single one of us has a curriculum that is about being truly helpful. As it says in the Course, all are called. We truly are called in a particular way, each and every one of us. It's unique, no two the same, and The sacrifice that we make by not being willing is that we don't have the experience of fulfillment that comes from truly answering the call, truly living the love and walking the talk. And the ego is consistently trying to convince us that answering the call will make us miserable because we're going to have to give up everything that we like. We're going to have to give up all the pleasures of the body and and the things that we've come to depend upon. And I'm here to testify that no, it it, it's not like that at all. You don't have to give up anything you enjoy. What you do end up giving up is the things that are harmful, the things that are hurtful, the things that are delusional, and create a deep sense of despair and unworthiness. Those are the things that we can give up. And so naturally, more and more of our joy is shining forth. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. (laughs) And I love experiencing it and sharing it. Yes, I do. Hmm. I'd like to take a minute here to tell you about some of the events that are coming up. Um, We do have Corinne Zubko's class on... Healing Anxiety Through A Course of Miracles. It's on right now. And coming up at the end of April is my Stop Playing Small Retreat. The Early Bird Special is on right now, and I'm intentionally following it with my Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive. If you haven't looked at what I've written about these two events, I encourage you to go and look at them at jenniferhadley.com because I, I recently have gotten some testimonials checking back with people six months later, a year later. They are living the life that they desire more and more. They, so many of them are healing their body and reducing the pain, chronic pain disappearing during these events and not returning afterwards. All kinds of healing happen because people are doing the deep work. It's not magic. It is what happens when we clear our minds of the false beliefs. So I'd just like to say... If you feel called to any of this healing work and doing it in person with me, this is the only reason why I do the in-person events. They're not a money maker. They are a lot of extra work and they are so deeply fulfilling because people transform their lives and go on to be more and more helpful to the people in their lives. And that is what I'm dedicated to and it's a wonderful wonderful thing so I know if you feel called you will answer the call and we have all kinds of payment plans we're not like other organizations the power of love ministry is really here to support people in doing the deep deep work and doing it together makes it so much easier. And thank you to all the people who contribute to this radio show, making it possible for us to transcribe the episodes and share so much much. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude, a hand on our heart, so grateful and so thankful we don't have to sacrifice anymore that our life is the life of God, our mind is the mind of God and we are already free in gratitude we share the benefits with everyone we accept our healing, we allow it to be, we know it's done and so it is Amen 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 God bless you. I love you. Have a great rest of your week.
0: Thank you for tuning in to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Join us every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Central for more tools and insights into how to express your beliefs from moment to moment, every day, in every way. A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by JenniferHadley.com, a global resource providing tools, insight, and support for those seeking to live A Course in Miracles every day in every way. Online at www.JenniferHadley.com. While there, we invite you to visit Jennifer's blog, where you can join with the community of like-minded people who have become Jennifer's prayer partners through her daily power prayer. Like them, you can enjoy this extra support as you come to walk your talk and live A Course in Miracles every day in every way.